Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, and so the first few minutes of this preach are missing. What other stories do you remember from your childhood or in our culture now that, that the, the preeminence of finding your calling is in, is in this divine intervention of you are this? So uh, don't tell me. I want you to turn to the people around you. And can you think of any books, movies, stories that you remember that is about the destiny finding of you? Therefore, knowing your calling when you've discovered you are the one. Go. Tell each other the stories. Can you remember? All right. Tell me some of them. Tell me some of them. What have you discovered? Come on. Give me some from this side. What, what, what were some of the ones? Harry Potter classic. You're a wizard, Harry. And you're like, I am. I guess I, I secretly am famous and have so much just innate power that I don't even have to be smart. I'll just surround myself with people and float through my destiny. Excellent. Great. Who else? From this section? Did you? Spider-Man. Yes. Just walking through life, bit by something. I'm so powerful now, and I feel that this whole city is mine. Great. What else? Anything from this section? From Lord of the Rings. Who? Aragorn. Right. Aragorn can't get away from how brilliant he is. I mean, it's just, ugh, everyone just always sees my leadership potential, just follows me even though I don't want to be king. It's true. Right. Excellent. Who, anyone else? Lame Bizarabla. Which one? Yes. Yes, there was this redemption, this, this whole story of Jean Valjean, uh, who's there and just, just in his deep character, he was called to lead this whole thing so much. Great. Anyone here? The Matrix. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate you. Yes, he is the one. Flex the world around me because I can Do you know how many times I still do that in my mirror now? Like so many times you look at myself and then I'm just like, and the whole world flexes around me. I want it. Yes. Superwoman. Yes. Defeat evil. Exactly. She was there and she had the pose. Do you remember the pose? Do the po- stand up and give me the pose. That is the pose of power. Thank you. Excellent. So much power in that. Yes. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. That's right. They were just playing a game, and yet secretly, oh no, you are the family to save the world just by being you. Excellent. We've been waiting for you so much. Anyone? Moana. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Just from being a baby, she comes in. The ocean is like, I see you. You are called. I'll give you this thing that will be your destiny in the future. Yes. We love it. And so then I'm like, where's my origin story? Because people ask me. I'm 40s. Two? Three? Husband? I don't know how. I'm one of those. And people are like, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have yet to have the ocean pick me up and hand me something that is my life's calling. Uh, there is something about wanting to have those epic origin stories. And so sometimes what happens 
is we can feel powerless looking for the moment that God's going to be like, you, this is what you are called to do with your life. And you're like, finally, I can be confident to know that I will inevitably be successful because this is what I uniquely have been called to do. And it can be paralyzing because we see a world in need and we see a world in pain and we see our friends who need Jesus and we're waiting for God to point to us and tell us what the thing is that we're called to do. And so I love that the Bible gives us Isaiah's origin story because it's not like those. Now, we are joined in Isaiah 6. Now, I'm not saying this is the absolute beginning. We get Jeremiah's origin story. Uh, This is a, a origin story of Isaiah, but we don't know whether this came a little bit into his ministry at the very beginning. Uh, But we know that this is a distinct moment where we see his calling. And so I'm going to read to you. This is one of those ones, because it's a prophetic book, it often has a lot of imagery. And I did attempt to sketch out illustrations for you, um, but it was not worth it. So I am (laughs) going I tried. One day, I feel like I want to publish a children's book that is just my stick figures of what I can manage, but I don't think anyone will read it. Um, So I'm going to read to you Isaiah 6. I'm going to read to you this story. You can join me in Isaiah 6 if you like reading. Um, If not, I would invite you to have the best movie ever and close your eyes and picture it as I go. And I am unusually going to read very slowly so you can picture it as we go, okay? So this is the thing. In the year that King Uzziah died, make a picture of King Uzziah, however you think he should look with that name, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train, that's the the long bit of the robe at the beginning, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. That means a a specific type of angel, seraphs, and I'm going to describe them to you. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That means paid for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. So you can open your eyes. That's Isaiah's origin story. And I, I find it fascinating because uh, it, is, it is not the story that we're used to hearing. I think it's really significant that the first thing that happens is not centered on Isaiah being called. It's centered on what happens when we encounter God. <laughs> um, because often we become so focused on, get to the book about me, uh, that actually I think it's really foundational that in Isaiah's calling, he first had to deal with God and him before you could get to the what I'm doing. And uh, when Isaiah was exposed to that image of God, when he felt that he was in the presence of God, looking at God with his robe filling the temple and the weird-looking angels calling back and forth to each other over the Lord, and he was so aware all of a sudden of his own imperfection, his own sin, his own world that he lived in. He went from fine to wow, this is a holy God and I am not a holy person. And um, this is, this, I don't, this is, I am going to die. My, my sense of my own sin is so powerful and God is so wonderful that I cannot be here. Um, when I was a teenager, my parents took me to New York uh, for a trip and we were walking around on New Year's Eve and my parents were like, ooh, the Met is there. Let's go see an opera. Sure. So we'd been walking around all day, sweaty, you know, like our, our walking trousers, jeans, like T-shirts, all of the like grody stuff that you wear when you're just exhausted on holiday to pack in your thing. And we were like, yeah. And we're having a great time going to go see an opera on New Year's Eve. And we walk in and we get into like the lobby and we realize it's New Year's Eve at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. We look around and people are in ball gowns, like ball gowns, heels, di- diamonds, paparazzi. And we're like, hi, we're going to the opera. And I, a moment before, I was having a good time. All of a sudden, I was like, I do not belong here. I am not okay. We're not dressed. What should we do? And we had the nosebleed where we didn't even get to sit, but we got to stand in the back of a thing, which meant that we had to walk past everybody all the way up four flights of stairs to get there. And I've never felt so out of place and exposed and just wrong. It went in an instant into a new experience, and I became aware of myself in that place. And Isaiah walked into the presence of the living God and was aware of himself in a deep and powerful way. And that's okay when we feel that. I think sometimes as Christians, we feel um, that when we become aware of God and we become aware of our sin, that's a bad thing, that God's going to smush us, that God's going to get mad at us, that God is rageful towards sin, that we want to hide from him, we want to run away. And that awareness of sin is a gift in the presence of God because it's an invitation into cleanliness rather than an uh, opportunity for judgment. Does that make sense? So when we get there and, and, and we're like, whoa, God, you are loving and kind and powerful and awesome and the one who rules the skies, and I am me, and my lips aren't clean and my heart's not clean, and um, God's like, I got this. And in Isaiah, an angel came and got a coal and touched his lips, and he said, and he said, uh, I want to quote it. I don't want to summarize it. 
he said, uh, see this, your guilt is taken away and your sin is paid for. And that is a theme that we see over and over and over again in scripture, in the prodigal son, in other places in the prophetic, where you come to God and God and person goes, whoa, I'm sinful. And God goes, let me change your clothes. Let me get you clean. Let me pull you into a relationship. Because before he walked into the presence of God and was like, whoa, God, throne, smoke, angels, I'm going to die. And God comes and goes, let me take your sin away. Your sin is paid for. And he goes, great. Now he's beginning to enjoy himself. And he gets to stand in the presence of God with freedom. And he has an opportunity to pay attention and to look around and to see what God's doing. It's an invitation into cleanliness and freedom. And so when we enter into worship, when we enter into prayer and you become aware of your sin, it is not judgment. It is not anger. It is not um, you going, I'm so imperfect and I need to run away. It's you going, wow, I need to get clean. And God's like, I got it. That's what Jesus is for. And so when you feel that conviction of sin, it's an invitation into relationship. And you know what to do. God, clean me. Thank you for Jesus. Take this away that I may live in relationship with you. Um, And it becomes a habit of beginning to expose yourself to God and be cleaned so that you may look around and see what he's doing. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say was that there is... um, this wonderful way of calling, which I love. I, I wanted, I want, because I am me and sometimes dramatic, not all the time, but just, you know, sometimes. I want to be selected by God and told my unique calling. Just like other people in the Bible, David got that. I'm going along, David, you are going to be the king. Let me anoint you with oil. Uh, Lots of people in the Bible got that specific thing. Saul, Mary, Matthew, Jesus said, follow me. Bezalel and Ohiliab got a call out because God liked their art so much that he wanted it in his interior decoration of his house. Like, yeah, name me in front of people, God, and call me to something specific. I love that. I long for that. But it really holds you back until God does it. And that is not the only way God calls us because Isaiah was different. He came to God. He got clean, and he was watching what God was doing. And God said something. God said, the fiddly pages. God said, whom shall I send and who will go for me? There was no specific job description there. (laughs) There was no like, who will go to the nations? I need someone called to Hawaii. Uh, There was no specific job. There was just God saying, here is an opportunity to do something with me. And Isaiah responded to God's invitation. And he responded with something that I find really powerful because he didn't go, well, let me look at myself and see whether or not. I mean, I'm standing in all of heaven, surrounded by angels in the throne room of the living God. Surely someone here is more qualified than me to say yes to this. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like God himself is like, who shall I send? And my first response would be, where's the heroes of faith? There's got to be somebody more qualified than me. Because, I mean, I was just like, I'm not even able to be here. So I don't even know if I should say yes to this. Or I'll wait till everyone else volunteers, and then I'll be like, I'm the 14th one I'll come along to. Um, And there is something about the freedom that Isaiah experienced and the forgiveness of his sins that he was like, I so want to be in this with you, God, 
that he called out in front of, in the throne room of heaven, me, 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 here I am, send me. I find that so powerful because I think that takes a confidence, not in yourself, but in the opportunity that God's offering you. Once you come and go, I'm so sinful and I don't know what I'm doing, and God's like, who will go? And you're like, I'm feeling so confident in my love, security, and uh, place in this place that I'm going to go me. That is a massive thing. Here I am, send me. And then God told him what to do. There is a, a power in your willingness to be used by God where you are because that is where often we find what we're called to. It, there are very few of us that I find are called to one thing our whole lives. The one thing that we are called to our whole lives is to say yes to God. That's the only consistent thing, is to say, I'm willing, here I am, send me. We have opportunities to do this every day. We go to school, and we look around at people who are lost and lonely, who are struggling with their mental health, who uh, feel disconnected and ashamed, and we look around and we go, gosh, how I'm desperate for my friend to know freedom for that trap of, of hating themselves. I'm desperate for um, my friend to know God the way I know God. I'm desperate for my teachers to get over this anger and bitterness that I do not know where that's coming from. And we sit and we go, gosh, I hope somebody sorts this out. <laughs> what would it look like if before we went to school or work, we said, here I am, God, send me. I may not be perfect. I may not be the smartest at it. I may not be the most qualified, but I am willing. What do you want to do in my school, in my place? Where are you? Where is your heart? And the great thing about Scripture is we already know he's with the brokenhearted. He is, he is speaking truth. He is already there. We can just say, I'm willing to be used in this place. What would it look like if before in the next Zoom meeting that we have for work, we say, here I am, God, send me. Where can I speak truth and life? What if every morning we woke up and before we had to drag ourselves out of bed while someone's poking us in the face, we say, God, I recognize that you are calling us in here in our little family in this little flat. There is a place and a purpose for me in the lives of others. Here I am, God, send me. What if we were willing in every moment of every day to say yes and at the end of our lives to look back and go, I see how God wove a life of purpose and calling because I got to walk following the Lord who is always moving and active in the world. There are so many places in my life, and I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to tell it. It's about Julie Berry. That's Julie Berry. And uh, when I had cancer, um, I was um, really unable to do a lot when I was recovering from surgery. And she, I don't know the story behind why she did it, but she asked if she could um, take my kid to his club, which meant that my kid had normalcy and my kid had somebody who to talk to, and it meant that I had the energy to be the mama I wanted to be. And it made such an impact in my life because I felt that I could fulfill my calling because she was willing. 
She was willing to do what I needed because God was somehow pointing that out to her. And her willingness to do that made a life change for me and my family. It was beginning again to feel like I got my life back um, because one person said yes to being willing to whatever God was prompting to her in the moment. It doesn't have to look big and huge. It doesn't mean that you have to be like, I will now sort out all of human trafficking in the world. It may mean that you go and serve a few people in a place. It may mean that you volunteer for something. It may mean that you say, I have suffered pregnancy loss and I'm willing to volunteer and talk to somebody else. It may mean that you just think, I am the boss who needs God. I am going to radiate his love because I want to say yes to whatever God is doing in their life. It's the little things that weaves into the big things. And that's a powerful and beautiful life with God. And so I just wanted to give us the opportunity, I guess, to do those two things, to, to deal with whatever we feel is between us and God, that we can be willing and able to say, I feel comfortable in the presence of God, that I can respond to what he's doing right now in wherever I am. And then I'm going to ask us to connect with God about about the places. No, I'm going to ask us to reflect on the places we want to say yes to God because then his voice is going to flow. Then you're going to feel like you're partnering with him. So uh, let's do that now. I'm just going to create some space um, for us to do that. So feel free to get comfortable with your bodies uh, in, in whatever you want. Uh, yeah, Joe, if you want to come plinky, I'd love that. You don't need to have somebody playing the guitar in a worshipful way to connect with God, but it's nice. You know what I mean? If I could have somebody in my house who's like, I'm like, I'd like to worship with Jesus right now. And someone would be like, here, let me provide you some worshipful accompaniment. I would say yes. So since I have it, we're going to use it. But don't feel like you have to be trapped to it in your everyday life. Um, or feel free to provide your own, just strumming whatever you have. Right. So. Uh, let's just connect with God. Now, I'll, I'll lead us through it a little bit. God, right now we put down... We put down anything that is just a burden right now for us. You can just picture it in your head. You can just picture yourself just putting it down. Sometimes we feel when we come to God, our hands are full. And... Um, just in your head, just put down all the things that you're thinking about, the lists, the four things you need to buy on the way home. Just, just put it all down just for a moment. And God, I thank you that you are on the throne, holy and loving and powerful with plans and purposes for the world, for individuals, for every person on this earth. I thank you that we cannot even comprehend your goodness. And God, we know we are people who are imperfect with unclean lips and living in unclean society and we may be having that sin crawl on us that we feel separates us from us and you. And so God, right now we ask you to come sweep away the sin from us through Jesus Christ. We can only stand here because of what Jesus did on the cross, providing a way that he, our sins may be taken away from us, that we may be reconnected with the Lord. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, make us clean.
And God, there are places that you have graciously placed us in schools, in work, in our homes, with, with nurses that come in and out, with, with siblings, with children, with parents, with families, extended families. You have placed us in, in places of significance where you are already. And I just feel like God's going to be flashing those places up in your, in your mind of places that you are positioned beautifully. And he has plans and purposes for those people and plans and purposes for those places. And if you're willing, if you want to say, here I am, God, I have nothing but my existence in this space. I have no qualifications, but I am there and I am willing to be used by you to do something that others may be impacted by your words, love, that they may be connected to you, if you're willing. And just in your heart and your mind, you may want to whisper it out loud if that helps you, but just say, here I am, God, send me. Already, after you've said that, you might be beginning to think of people and think of things and think of ways that you may be called to, and you may be getting nothing right now, and that's okay. Because God walked a lifetime with Isaiah through kings and palaces and writing down words that we read millennia later. It doesn't all have to come right now, but a commitment to the willingness means that God is going to partner with you and show you opportunities and places. And you're going to live a beautiful, powerful, wonderful life, seeing people's lives changed and impacted by God. It's a, a daily choice which weaves a lifetime of beauty. It's your origin story. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. God, I thank you. I thank you that you invite us into this place. I love when you say, who will I send? Who will go for me? You don't need people. <laughs> You're not trapped in heaven, unable to work without us. And yet you stage a little thing where God yourself says, who shall I send? So that a human being can say, me, send me. I thank you that you don't need us, but you want us. I thank you that you don't need us, but you want us to live a life walking alongside you, seeing people impacted, that we may walk a life of purpose and joy with you. We want to say yes to you, God. Send us. Let me see the world changed. <laughs>